Right now, though, we're going to talk about the Winters Hotel fire. It was a tragic situation. Two people were killed almost two years ago. Five people hospitalized. Almost 150 were displaced. Well, how and why did it happen? That has been the subject of a coroner's inquest jury that has been digging into this. The unanimous verdict after about two weeks of testimony is that the deaths were accidental. But there were also a lot of recommendations to prevent something like this from happening in the future. So helping us to break it all down now is Jen St. Denis, Vancouver journalist covering city issues and housing for the Taiyi.ca. Hi, Jen. Thanks for being here. Hi, Simi. What did we learn about how the the Winters Hotel fire happened? Yeah, what we learned was, um, as you said, just incredibly tragic because we learned it was such a preventable fire. Um, So what had happened, and I think a lot of people know this already, but there had been a previous fire on April 8th, 2022, a Friday. Um, And then the sprinklers, and we thought the alarm was off, but in the inquest we actually got evidence that it um, was working. Um, But the sprinklers were certainly left off all weekend, and the extinguishers that had been used to fight the April 8th fire were also empty. Um, And what we learned in the inquest was that the normal practice was to call a fire services company to come right away to reset everything and replace the extinguishers, but that wasn't done that day. Uh, There was this delay, and uh, the building manager waited until the Monday to call, and by then it was too late. Oh, wow. Okay. And this had happened before. They they didn't have a, a fire plan in place either, did they? Yeah, we heard really disturbing things about, you know, first of all, this was an old building and we heard from the fire department that it was actually very vulnerable to fire, like even more more so than other SRO buildings that are all about 100 years old. The Winters had all this open space because it had this unusual kind of like open mezzanine design. It had a, an unused elevator shaft that also kind of created all this space and there wasn't really proper fire separation. So it was already very vulnerable to fire. But then on top of that, you know, the staff of the, the nonprofit housing provider that was operating it, Atira, um, they all testified that they really re- received, you know, very little, actually really zero fire safety training for this building. Um, so that was a really alarming combination of factors. And so did we hear from residents at all about, did they know anything about a fire plan? Like, how did they feel about the safety in this building? Yeah, we heard from three residents, and it was all very, very powerful testimony. Um, they actually, one, you know, one of them, Jennifer Hansma, testified that she actually felt safe in the building before the fire. She didn't, she didn't really think about about fire safety. But I have heard from other tenants that they would keep their own fire extinguishers in their rooms, actually, and some of them tried to use those. So clearly, some tenants were thinking about it, but no, they hadn't really received any fire safety training themselves. A fire drill was never conducted in the building, um, and so that was that was absolutely never done. So, and there was even confusion about you know, new tenants weren't even trained on the muster point, the place where they were supposed to go if an if an emergency happened. So there was a real lack of training throughout, you know, both staff and tenants. Right. What did we learn about like the Atira property manager uh, about you know their plans for this building and, and what happened? So yeah, so Atira had this uh, building manager Gina Vandenberg, who was who was responsible for the building. And you know, I I felt very sorry for Gina, even though she was the one who had the delay. She decided not to call the fire safety company. She she testified about just being very overwhelmed on April eighth. You know, it's a Friday evening. She had to do all of these tasks, rehouse tenants. She did call in a. Uh, property restoration company right away and they came immediately but for whatever reason she just did not uh, call the fire services company oh wow okay now how long had Atira been managing that 
They had they had taken it on in 2017. They it was it's actually a privately owned building. This man named Peter Platt owns it. And apparently what, what Atira did was when the Balmoral was being shut down by the city because it was in such bad condition, um, Atira's CEO, uh, then CEO Janice Abbott, went to Peter Platt and made this lease deal and then brought it to BC Housing and said, hey, I have this building and you can rehouse people from the Balmoral to the Winters. Right. But obviously there have been some complications. So I know that the inquest also had some recommendations, Jen. Like, what did they say? kind of pleasantly surprised at the scope of the recommendations. Um, they spent a lot of, I think they spent, we were sort of waiting all day, so they had a lot of time to work on this, and it went from, like, you know, basic improved fire safety, have a, you know, have maybe have an inventory of fire extinguishers, have tamper-proof fire doors and alarms, or smoke, smoke detectors so people can't take them out, that kind of thing. Um, but then it went up to, you know, talking about maybe have, when you're signing these operating agreements, when BC Housing signing oper- operating agreements with these housing operators, you know, have a requirement that they have to hire a third party um, contractor, extra staff to do a fire watch if that building has to be on fire watch. Um, And it went all the way up to, uh, you know, create an ombudsman to handle complaints from tenants because, you know, we've heard and I've heard a lot doing this work um, that BC Housing's complaint process is really not trusted by tenants. Um, So I thought that was actually one of the most significant recommendations. Interesting. Now, what was I know that there had been some uh, rumors about chains on some of the fire doors. What did we hear about Mm -hmm. that? Yeah, so that appears to have been confirmed. There were chains on on the fire doors. We heard that from tenants, and we heard that confirmed by Atira staff. Um, that in the months, not not on the day the fire happened, but in the months previous, um, tenants and and some staff had seen chains on doors, and that seems to have been because um, the fire escape doors were being used by other people to break into the building and do bad things. So obviously, there was a problem with that. They. The, we and then we, we did have like video evidence showing that there wasn't chains, there weren't chains on the door on the day of the fire, and there was sort of conflicting evidence about whether those chains had actually even prevented the doors from being opened from the inside. But you know, certainly in tenants' minds, they testified that they thought that the fire doors wouldn't work because they had seen those previously. Oh man, really? Okay, so one of the other recommendations, I guess, had to do with whether or not they should even have what private buildings that are kind of run by BC Housing. Is that right? Yeah, this is when I talk about, you know, the scope of of the recommendations really went on and on. And and so we'll see how many of these recommendations are actually followed through on. But yeah, you know, even some, they even made a comment, you know, should we be phasing out SROs and building purpose-built housing, which is what the government has actually been talking about. Both the the city government and the province have been talking about that. Yeah, this idea that maybe we shouldn't, maybe BC Housing shouldn't be involved in funding buildings that are privately owned. Um, you know, even going up to uh, create a combined task force to identify land that can be used for housing. So this inquest jury really did kind of take this really broad view. They, they seem to understand that there was a whole like, you know, housing system, housing crisis element to to this tragic fire. Right. Now, you've been covering this story for a long time, Jen. Was this, do, were you, you were surprised even by the depth of this? Do you think this will make a difference? Yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised by the depth of this. They seemed, the jury seemed to be, you know, throughout the inquest, I was really impressed with this jury. They seemed very, very uh, serious about this. They asked lots of really good questions, lots of probing questions. 
they there were several times when I thought they seemed quite disturbed by what they were hearing. And then, yeah, they seemed to really understand what had happened in this building, that it wasn't, you know, often in these in these instances when this type of thing happens, the tenants are kind of blamed. You know, they there is a lot of chaotic behavior in these in these buildings. Um, and so there's like, oh, well, tenants are always setting fires. But there did seem to be an understanding by the end of this that, you know, the two people who died, Marianne Garlow and Dennis Gay, were... Um, you know, they were both older people. They were both vulnerable. Marianne was a residential school survivor who'd lived in, in SROs for almost her whole life. She was a caregiver to her son, John. Um, Dennis Gay was this man who'd actually worked in local government for 20 years and then had had a mental health crisis um, and had been really diligently trying to manage it. And he was also deaf. And he had just sort of, you know, ended up in this housing because it was affordable. It was what he could afford. And he was left totally unprotected. He didn't even have an evacuation plan or an adaptive alarm like flashing lights. Um, so that there was that element, too. So, yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised that that this jury took this this seriously. Well, thank you so much for explaining it to us this morning. Thank you, Simi. Appreciate that time. That's Jen St. Denis, Vancouver journalist covering city issues and housing for the TIE, talking about the coroner's inquest jury looking into the Winters Hotel fire.